0: Well today we're in John chapter 14 Last week we looked at the first part of that chapter and Today we're looking at verses 7 through 14 It's the Lord talks to his disciples about about faith Faith I I don't know about you, but there's times in my life That that I'd really much prefer to walk by sight Instead of by by faith Uh, There's a security in seeing Exactly what's going to happen And how it's going to happen isn't there There's just a security in that uh, when I sit down and look across the, the month at my personal finances, uh, I just feel a lot better if all the money I'm going to need to pay every bill and do everything's just already sitting there in the count. I just just feel a lot better about that. Uh, when we set out to go somewhere on the interstate, I kind of like to know where it is that we're going to go. There's a security in knowing where you're going and how you're going to get there. But Jesus is calling us to find our security in our Christian life in something else he's calling us to find our security in who he is instead of finding security by knowing exactly how God is going to gift us what he's going to call us to where he's going to send us to instead of finding security and knowing exactly how he's going to use us and how this present situation whether it be in teaching your Sunday school class or serving as a deacon or witnessing to your neighbor Instead of knowing exactly how that's gonna go and unfold, he's, he's calling us to find our peace and our security in him. Believing and trusting. When we look back at the disciples and we think about what it must have been like to have been one of the 12 disciples, Jesus explained to them what was going to happen one piece at a time the Bible describes it one place it says from this time on he began to explain to them that he must that he must suffer and and die little by little they got more and more information and at times they didn't know exactly what lied ahead even even after the resurrection and ascension of the Lord it was times early in their apostolic ministry of going and planting churches and preaching the gospel. They didn't know exactly how all this was going to unfold with the Gentiles coming in, and all of these things were, were new to them. So, when we think about that, we're, we're in a time in our life that maybe we've never been in it before. Maybe for the first time in your life, you're an empty nester. Maybe for the first time in your life, you're just bringing grandkids into the world. Maybe a whole different time of life for you, a season you've never seen before. You don't really know exactly how it's going to go or how it's going to unfold. Most of us would like to have the peace of knowing exactly what's going to happen, but instead Christ is calling us to have peace in who he is. When we approach the work of the church, it's a work of faith. It's a work of, It's not a work of sight. It's... It's a work of faith. We know that God has given us all different abilities. God has given us our intelligence. He expects us to use it to be wise and make good decisions. God has given us spiritual gifts. The Bible says that throughout the church we have different spiritual gifts and they complement one another. That within the, the body, God has given all the different gifts that we need God has given us all of these things. But our hope is not in our ability to devise some brilliant plan and flawlessly execute it. The work of the church comes from putting our faith and trust in Jesus. You see, there are things that he wants to do through us that we're not capable of doing on our own. We can plan a service, but only God can send a revival. We can say a prayer, but only God can answer it. We can teach the Scripture, but only the Holy Spirit can illuminate it. We can beg people to receive Christ in faith, and receive forgiveness of their sins. But only the Holy Spirit can convict people about sin. You see, Jesus has left us here to do a great work. He has a mission for all of us individually as believers. And he has a mission collectively for us as the church. It's truly, truly a great work that he has left us with. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but he meant for us to be his instruments to carry out his work. It's not our work, it's, it's his work. We are, we are his hands and feet in the world. So the Bible describes us as the body of Christ. So I want to ask you today a very, very important question. We'll have plenty of time to focus on it, reflect on it because it's the the subject of this entire passage. Do you have enough faith to be the body of Christ? Do you have enough faith? Can we trust the Lord to pursue with all of our energy and all of our ability what he's called us to do in the world and then trust him to use us to actually accomplish something of eternal value. As Jesus began to talk to his disciples about his crucifixion, they struggled. They didn't struggle to understand what he was saying. They struggled to accept it. And they struggled to believe in him. As we look at their unbelief today, I hope it'll draw us to want to put our full faith and trust in the Lord. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 7. Would you just join me in standing out of honor and reverence for God's word as we read it? Our Lord said, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else, believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let's pray together. Father, give us faith to believe and trust, to pray and to ask, believing that when we come according to your will, you hear our prayers and you answer. Lord, for every person today that's here, every person today that's listening and watching, I pray that you give them faith to believe and to trust in you. For it's in Christ. And that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, how much is enough for you to trust the Lord? That, that's an important question for us to all think about this morning. How much is enough for you to trust in the Lord? Philip begins to, to ask questions. Remember, it was... It was Thomas that earlier had spoke up and asked a question. He said, he said Lord, we don't, we don't even know the way. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Now Philip speaks up. The, the fact that uh, some of the disciples that uh, often didn't speak up are now speaking up is perhaps indicative that they were all struggling to believe and to accept. And so Philip has, has uh, spoken up and asked uh, this question. He said, Lord... Show us the Father, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Previously when Jesus had answered about knowing, he said, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So we think about Jesus' statement, if you had known me. You know, there are different levels of of knowing. And throughout the Bible, the Bible uses this word in, in all kinds of different ways, ranging from merely intellectually knowing something to all the way up to intimacy and marriage and everywhere in between. There are different levels of knowing. The disciples certainly knew Jesus' name. They knew an awful lot about Jesus. It's not that they didn't know who he was. They didn't know who he was. And so Jesus said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also, if we think about today uh, There's all different levels of knowing that we have We have acquaintances, the people that we know their name And recognize their face when we see them We have friends that we've known for years And perhaps known pretty well And then uh, some of us here today have kids And probably at this point in your kid's life You can guess what they're thinking And what they're going to do and about any situation We just know them that well We've seen, seen them that long There are different levels of of knowing somebody. And we begin to think about Jesus' question. He said, If you had known me, really, I think the implication is if you had known me well enough to really understand, you would realize that you've known the Father also. Jesus says in verse 7 From now on, from now on, you do know him. And have seen him in the Gospel of John. Uh, John carefully lays out his gospel in terms of one climactic moment. This climactic moment, of course, is Jesus' death and resurrection. And throughout the gospel, he uses time references to look forward to that. He talks about the hour. He quotes Jesus on multiple occasions, saying, "My hour has not yet." Come. Jesus is not referring to a 60 minute period when he said his hour. He was referring to the time that he would lay down his life for the world. So there's a time leading up to this climactic moment when Jesus would offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And Jesus, when he says to the disciples, From now on, I don't think that Jesus meant from that talk on, but Jesus was preparing them for his crucifixion. Jesus is speaking about this, this moment in his life that they're about to witness and behold, this moment that would forever change human history, when God who came in the flesh would lay down his life so that we could be forgiven. Jesus says to them, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. What is it about this moment now in the life of the disciples that would cause them who are struggling to believe to all of a sudden believe? Well, I think we know that Jesus is one with the Father because who else could be resurrected from the dead? They were about to see Jesus after being crucified and buried they were about to see Jesus walking and teaching you know the Bible says that in Jesus' earthly ministry that not even his brothers believed in him you know who one of the greatest leaders in the early church was Jesus' brother James what would lead James from a lifetime of skepticism to devoting the rest of his life to leading the Lord's church? Well, he had seen Jesus resurrected. He was an eyewitness. So Jesus says, from now on you do know him and have seen him. And so Philip speaks of him and He says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. It is enough for us. When Philip says, if you'll show us the Father, it's enough for us, what he's saying is that what we've seen already is not enough for us to believe. Now think for a moment what Philip had seen already. Philip was one of the disciples. So even though he's not named all throughout the Gospels, like Peter and James and John, whenever it says Jesus and his disciples Philip was there so Philip after seeing all of Jesus earthly ministry he says well Lord if you can show us one more thing it'll be enough for us to believe show us the father and if we see the father then then we'll then we'll be able to believe and to trust in you. Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. So think about what Philip had already seen. Philip saw Jesus turn water into wine. That was Jesus' first miracle at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. He saw Jesus turn water into wine. He saw Jesus cleanse a man with leprosy, he saw Jesus say to a paralytic man, "Take up your mat and walk." He saw Jesus bring Jairus's daughter back to life. He saw Jesus take 5 loaves and 2 fish and feed 5000 men plus women and children. He saw Jesus walk on water. He saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. And this is just a small sampling of what Philip had seen. For John says, if all the things that the Lord had done were recorded, he didn't suppose that the world would contain the scrolls. In fact, on some occasions, it just talks about that great crowds came and he healed them all. Who knows what all Philip had seen. And yet having seen all of this, Philip says, Lord, if you'll show us one more thing, it will be enough for us. Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough. So that, that brings us to the question, what do you need to see in order to have faith in the Lord? Certainly, we haven't seen the miracles that Philip saw We read about them from eyewitnesses in the scripture. But I've seen God do some pretty amazing things in my lifetime. I've seen God provide in miraculous ways for his church. I've seen God take people who are some of the most unlikely to ever be saved and completely turn their life around. I've seen God give people last second Chances. When I was pastor in North Carolina, there was a man who wanted to speak with me. And I went by and talked with him. And I shared the gospel. And we talked. And I said, Could I come by next week and speak with you? And I came by and they shared the gospel. This man was a senior adult, lived his whole life outside of the church. I said, is there any reason today you wouldn't want to give your life to Christ? He said, no. Right there in his kitchen, he prayed to receive Christ. That Wednesday night, he was at church. And the following Sunday morning, he was at church. And Sunday night, he was at church. And the next Wednesday, he was at church. then I got a phone call. He had a heart attack and died suddenly. In the last moments of his life, God gave him a second chance and he took it. I've seen so many people who are so unlikely give their life to Christ. I've seen God perform all kinds of miracles. As you look back in your life, I hope there's been times that you've trusted Christ and seen him provide for you. That gives you evidence, that gives you reason to believe. Having read the gospel, seen the miracles and experienced firsthand God changing people's lives. And we ask the question, what, what else do we need to see before we believe and trust in Christ? Philip said, the Lord, show us the Father, and it's, it's enough for us. But Jesus had already given them enough to believe and to trust. You see, Jesus is calling us to take him at his word. He wants us to actually believe the promises that he's made and take him at his word. So verses 9 through 11, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Jesus, as he says to Philip, he says, Have I been with you so long? Jesus' frustration is not that Philip doesn't believe. His frustration is that he's been with him all this time and he's seen so much and he still doesn't believe. To whom much is given, much will be required. Philip was given many reasons to believe and trust. And so Jesus says, have I been with you so long? As we think about where we are today Are you where you should be at this point In your spiritual journey Or did Jesus say to you Have I been with you so long And you still do not know me The book of Hebrews Hebrews chapter 5 Verses 12 through 14 This is what it says It says For though by this time You ought to be teachers This is a scathing condemnation against the immaturity and the lack of faith of believers in the early church. For although by this time, this is the key phrase here, Jesus says to Philip, have I been with you so long? In Hebrews it says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The book of Hebrews is teaching us that as believers, we should be growing. There's a time when a person just gets saved and they don't know anything and they haven't been raised in church and they haven't read the Bible And there's a time in their life when they need milk. They just need the most basic elementary teachings that will nourish their soul. But as we grow in our faith and we grow in our understanding and we grow in our commitment to the Lord, there comes a time that that the milk's not enough and we're ready for the steak. And so the writer of Hebrews says, by this time you ought to be, you ought to be teachers. This is Jesus' frustration with Philip. He says, have I been with you so long and you still cannot, cannot trust me? I Think about Moses who trusted the Lord throughout his life. And yet toward the end, when he had waited out that whole generation to die out in the wilderness, and he had that young generation ready to take them into the promised land. And the Lord told Moses as the people were grumbling there's no water. The people were grumbling and complaining, "Did you just bring us out here in the mo- in the desert to die? Been better off for us is to die with our our forefathers." And God says, "Moses, speak to the rock and water will come forth from the rock." And here's what Moses did. And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank and their livestock. A person who is not paying attention might say, well, what a great success. Moses struck the rock and water came out. Here's what the Lord said about it. the Lord said to Moses and Aaron because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them God told Moses to speak to the rock but instead Moses decided to strike it as he had before to try to make water come out of it Moses' sin was not hitting a rock. Moses' sin was not having enough faith to speak the rock as God had commanded him. After all that Moses had seen God do, and because of this failure of faith, he never entered the promised land. God took him up on the mountain and let him look over into it, but he didn't get to go. Jesus said to Philip, have I been with you so long? The writer of Hebrews said to the early church, he says, by this time, you should be ready for something else. And Moses, after seeing God part the sea and rain down manna to feed his people, God says to Moses, because you do not believe in me. You see, Jesus is calling us to take him at his word, to believe and trust in his promises. And we think about where we are today. We're not sitting around with the disciples listening to Jesus explain for the first time that he's about to be crucified. But the same principle applies to us. When we hear a message from the Father, we should respond as though the Father is speaking directly to us. Jesus said in verse 10, he said, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Jesus was calling his disciples to believe that what he told them was a message from God because the two were together. When we read the Scripture, the Lord is calling us to believe because the Scripture has been inspired by the Spirit. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 3, 16, the first part of that verse, all Scripture is breathed out by God. Doesn't matter whether we read a word inspired by the Spirit or whether we had been with those disciples sitting around listening from the Son or whether the Father spoke audibly to us. The message is still from God. And he calls us to believe it and to have faith in it And to trust. If you can't take the Lord at his word, word, then then trust in his works. This is what he says in verse 11. He says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. In John chapter 2, he tells us about the first of the signs that Jesus did when he turned the water into wine. Here's what it says. This, the first of his signs. The Bible describes these miracles as signs because Jesus did them so that they might have a sign about who he was so they would know to believe. It says, Jesus did in Canaan in Galilee and manifested his glory. And here is the result, and his disciples believed in him. Jesus, after rebuking Philip, he gives us some pretty encouraging words. He has a plan for us. He has something he wants to do with his disciples. He he used his early apostles, and he's been using his church all throughout the centuries. Verse 12, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. We were meant to live like Jesus. And we were meant to accomplish his work in the world. And when Jesus said, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, he didn't mean that we were going to turn water into wine. He didn't mean that we were going to walk on water. But he didn't mean that we were going to bring a message of healing and forgiveness to the world. He didn't mean that there would be times in our life when we go into a hospital room or a nursing home, with a smile or a kind word, we would minister to a hurting person in his name. It didn't mean there would be times in our life when, when a child with no spiritual guidance at home would be invited, would be brought, would be welcomed in, and would hear the message of hope about Christ. Many of us are looking to do great things. Some of the greatest things that ever happened to me were pretty small things in the moment. A few years ago, I went back to my home church they invited me to come and to preach and some of those older people in the church i i hadn't seen them in 30 years some of them 30 plus years i just walked down the hall and as they came i spoke and was kind of excited to see them one guy caught me after church he like grabbed my arms he walked by he says, what's my name? And I said his name. And I thought he was going to fall out of his seat backwards. And I said, and afterwards I was talking to my mom, who still goes to the church there. And I said, mom, I said, it's what? what's, what's going on? She says, I, I said, you know, I mean, I thought they'd remember me. And she says, they remember you. She says, you're just a child. She says, they can't believe that you remember them. A child will never forget when you pick them up and take them to church. A child will never forget when you say an encouraging word when they need to hear it. Jesus said that he wanted to do great things through us. We have to believe. We have to have faith. And in faith, we seek the power of the Lord through prayer. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. The Lord has called us to work. The question is, do we have enough faith to do it?